0: The Athletic. You on,
1: Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, my name is John. And with me on a Saturday morning, after Watford 2-1 away loss at the Brentford Community Stadium, yes, it's going to be one of
2: those podcasts, everybody, Uh, is Mike. Morning, John, and I think I've got a vote of thanks. Sometimes the old cures are the best for these sort of things. And my dad stayed over last night. He was was in hospitality at the game last night. and We just had a chat this morning. In the old school way, a chat from your old man sometimes makes you feel a a little bit better. So thanks to Dad for uh, trying to cheer me up this morning. I'm not sure it's worked massively. We'll see as the as the podcast goes on, but it, he's given it a good old go. So, cheers, Dan, and morning, chaps.
1: And uh, thank you, Tony, for at least helping us not to brunt all that.
2: <laughs> Colin's also with us. Good morning, everyone. I,
1: I've
3: got a, a bit of. I've, I've had a cold for ten days. I haven't had a cold in about five years, mostly because I've been stuck indoors because of a pandemic. I don't know if you've heard about that, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I've now managed to get a cold. And um, going to Brentford on a on a, <laughs> on a cold Friday evening, standing in the cold and
2: and watching our abject failure probably hasn't helped. You being poorly, Colin is a per I think it's a perfect metaphor for the game, isn't it probably in some way. <laughs> yeah. There you go. John if you were going to ask um ask us how Watford played, Colin's cough there was I think the the perfect uh, the perfect description.
1: It wasn't a really hearty cough there Colin and it was a uh, a little bit feeble. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah unsatisfactory. Well, let, let's talk about it.
1: Let's let's get this out of our system. It's Saturday morning. We can have a lovely free weekend with a free mind and a cleaner mind. It was lovely going to a brand new stadium. I'm going to say that to begin with. Uh, as the new stadiums go, I thought it was a good one. It was bizarre that it feels like it came out of nowhere uh, in the middle of all these tower blocks. On the inside, it was it was wonderful. I was sat next to DCW. I could see, Mike, you were down there a the bit bit lower and a bit round on the bend with uh, Arlo and, and Florence. And I suppose what I want to do with this podcast is try and figure out, and hopefully, this is what Claudio is doing this morning at uh, London Colney. When did we lose that game? How did we lose that game? Was it the starting lineup, Mike? Could you put anything on that changed the starting lineup? He started Kucho instead of Pedro. In midfield, where we've said that's our, probably our strongest of all our positions, he started Kuchka instead of loser. What impact did you see of that in the first half?
2: Well, and also he brought uh, uh, Ngakia in at at left back. Yeah, we'll get to him in a minute. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of people before the game saying our our loser was was unlucky not to to feature. And I have to say, I agree. I mean, I don't know if there's been any any issues in training, whether he, he took a knock or something. But and again, just talking it through with um, with Dad this morning, and I, I just wonder whether he he brought Kuzka in to start. I think he he had a positive impact when he came on. Um, was it in Manchester City he came on, and you know he looked to drive the ball forward, and he was a catalyst for some some positivity from from Watford, and I wonder whether that caught. Uh, Claudio's eye, and thought that in in conjunction with perhaps maintaining that because one of the questions we asked leading up to this game was would Watford be able to maintain their intensity and and to keep that press up against a a team like Brentford and perhaps they saw enough in in Kuchka to suggest he might be able to to do that and the other thing potentially would would be to make us sort of harder to break down in in that midfield uh, perhaps that's why he, he 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 went for him in the end but. For me, I think what it did was it, it it unbalanced the team pretty dramatically, really. And and whilst Watford were ahead um, at half time, I think it became pretty apparent pretty quickly that Watford were were out of sorts. I thought um, pretty much from from the get go, and and whether that's slightly down to that that change in in personnel and and, and not having that bit of guile and and someone with a bit more craft and time and uh, just someone slightly cuter in the middle to sort of p- p- pull the strings a little bit it it's hard to say i mean the, the, i think the bottom line is they all had a stinker give or take um, and, and and that never helped. So it it may be just as simple as as that that they were all just completely off off their game. And I, and I don't think we should we should discount that. But I think looking at it in a in a in a scientific forensic way, I just do wonder whether yeah that 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 change un, unsettled them.
1: Colin, you know, he, so they, it was it was two more sitting. Of those three midfielders, two of them were just sitting a little bit deeper, weren't they? And that wasn't just after a one-nil up Cole. That was pretty much the whole game, and it just it didn't feel fluid to me. And that's the best thing we've seen over these defeats, but great performances is there was a fluidity to our play, and and that was the thing that was just dissipated yesterday.
3: Oh, cloudy! How cloudy! cloudy! <laughs> what have you done? It's brainless. It's utterly brainless to make that change, and it showed straight away. I mean, Kutska has his. Uh, qualities. But in a game which ended up feeling very much like an old Bournemouth-Watford championship game, Kutzka, he just, it was like they put a bull on the pitch. And he just ran around, bumping into people, putting in these tackles. And the chap next to me, in fact, he was standing behind me, he went, he went oh, he's a red card waiting to happen, isn't he? And in the end, he, he, I don't think he even got a yellow, but... He just has that feel about him. There's an unpredictability. There's a lack of composure. And as you have rightly pointed out, to have again, it's like you've got two holding midfielders. So then there's a big hole between those two. And Cleverly, who I thought was excellent, by the way, I thought he was our standout player, Cleverly. And we'll come on to that, I'm sure, later on. But when you found a combination that has worked well against some, you know, superior opposition, has kept us in those games against Chelsea and Manchester City with loser Sissoko. And cleverly, why on earth would you change that? Unless, as as Mike points out, that he may have had a knock or something like that. And I make Mike absolutely right. It totally unbalanced us. It it, it begged for them to come onto us because there was this you know this this sort of hole. And it, 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 it we ended up playing the game that they they wanted us to play. They wanted it to be a scrappy encounter with a ball in the air and lots of you know heavy challenges and 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 we just we just lost ourselves. I mean. <sighs> He doesn't listen to. He doesn't listen to the podcast, does he, John? If Claudio listened to the podcast, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have <laughs> made that change because we looked so good in midfield with those three, and he changed it, and suddenly we just we looked like we looked, you know, a few weeks ago, where we didn't have, as Mike's just said, we didn't have any composure. There was no cuteness. There was no one there who seemed to have any time on the ball. There was no, never seemed to be a pass on. There was never an option. And okay, it got a lot worse in the second half. In the first half, it wasn't as bad as I'm making it out, but it was that. Single decision that unbalanced us, and I, I find it—I find it inexplicable. But
1: it's interesting. We know. We, yeah, that's that is possible. One of the reasons why we lost this game—that that, that bringing, of, uh, bringing in of Kutchka instead of loser there might be others let's try and actually this is definitely not a reason why we lost the game in fact he had a great performance Mike Jeremy Ngakia we know at some point we knew that when you see Kiko we saw Jeremy uh, on the uh, the the starting lineup. one of them being a right-sided both of them being right-sided players one of them had to be on the left and and it was Jeremy who went on the left a young player but did had a wonderful performance I think out there for yeah for a young boy playing in the Premier League and being out of his normal uh, normal placing
2: yeah, I mean, look, I think I mean, wonderful might be uh, might be pushing it a little bit. I don't think I'm prepared to, to, to call any of them wonderful after, that, after <laughs> yesterday. Um, I thought you
1: said you're talking to Tony about this performance and you're going to be in a better mood
2: anyway. <laughs> I don't, this is me in a better mood, John, I promise you. Uh, but, but yeah, I suppose it is. You, yeah. you, 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 make the, you make the point correctly, and I think it's it's right to to look at it in in, in those terms. He is a right-back playing at left-back in a team that was that was struggling. And I think with with that told, he did he did, he did absolutely absolutely fine I did you know we were talking before we went into the ground to, to a couple of chaps I did wonder whether he'd switch Kiko over to the left and play gaku on his right perhaps Kiko a little bit more um, experienced and, and might have been able to but they did that at the beginning of last year in the championship uh, yeah And I think, yeah, I think you're right to I think you're right to give him a little a little nod and a wink. He he did well. He sort of he's not the most elegant or stylish of of defenders and and, and certainly not when he's when he's on the other side. But quite frankly, you don't need to be. You're you're a defender. You're there to stop the ball travelling towards your goal. Um, and I think he he did all right he did all right and I think we were all of the opinion after Saturday against Manchester City that it was going to be very very difficult to find a place in the team for Danny Rose for a whole host of reasons we know that um, Adam Messina is was going to be unfit looks like it's going to be for a shorter time a period of time which is good so we knew he was going to come in one way or the other I think and yeah I think with with all that in mind and con- and considering the The sort of carnage that was unfolding around him, he probably did as well as could be expected. I do remind me to mention this, and I'm sure I will. I do want to talk about someone else uh, who was playing on the wrong side of the pitch when they came on uh, to to play as well. Yes, I'm looking at you, Ken.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to the substitutions of the second half. God, I forgot about Ken coming on. (laughs) We we went one up, though. We went one up and we scored a goal from a corner. Unbelievable, Jeff. Let's all just hope that, that, that sink in for a little bit. <laughs> but for me, the rest of that first, the whole that first half and the, and the beginning of the second half, you know, as, as a front three, we saw what we're, we're used to. Dennis causing problems. Uh, Josh King had hit the post uh, that led to the corner, that led to the goal. You know, they were doing their thing. Maybe they weren't at their, their top of their games. Kucho was working his little socks off, as he always does, but they just weren't quite, you know, I, I do put their their efforts and, and actually how their step back maybe you could view it from the fact that that midfield wasn't working for them as well as well as it had been. The moment though, that seems to be from what the little conversations I heard with DCW in the pub afterwards, as you're walking through the pub, you hear this, you hear that. It was the substitute of Cleverly at 68 minutes.
2: Yeah.
1: And well, I think the two things, the person, Mike, the person and the personnel changed quite dramatically, taking off... Tom Cleverley, he might have been tired. There might have been a good reason for it, but it wasn't the right substitution in terms of personnel at an away game when we were only one nil up, was it?
2: For me, it felt like it came far too early. I mean, we talked about the midfield and the, and the balance. A key component of that, and, and of the way that we've played successfully. Well, when I say successfully, the way we've we've sort of our performances have have been slightly better in, in recent weeks. A key component of that is is Tom Cleverley doing Tom Cleverley things in, in the middle of the park. And what what we have also noticed over the past couple of weeks is that it's very very unlikely we're going to get ninety minutes out of Tom Cleverley doing that. He you know he's at a more advanced stage in his his career than some of the other other players. I think Claudio Ranieri was very very quick to say after the game that that basically t- Tom Cleverley's race was run. He was he was he, he wasn't. He wasn't able to carry on and to be honest that was probably borne out with a couple of passages of play where you know the top cleverly thing is he either wins the ball moves it forward looks for a pass or he loses the ball and busts a gut to win it back uh, and just before he came off there were a couple of times when when he wasn't able to to win the ball and he tried to do that that chasing down that harrying thing that he's in the team to do and he was just gone he wasn't able to do it so if he can't do, if Tom Cleverley can't do Tom Cleverley, if he hasn't got the, the legs to do it at, at that stage, then then a, then a change has to be made. But was um, that the
1: change to be made, though? Was Pedro coming on as, as a direct swap, him playing the number 10 role? Is that the thing to do? Or actually, should it have been take Tom off, put on two fan or put on loser and, and, and rotate around those three a little bit maybe that would have been a better thing to do rather than putting Pedro on where I don't know about you Colin but DC and WI were, DCW and I were in the ground going right what what is the formation what are we doing here and, and I couldn't quite we it took quite a while for anything to sort of settle in fact you could argue it never settled uh, and that was the moment that we we did lose the game Cole
3: Listen, I'm not going to criticise Ranieri for that substitution. Um, apart from obviously looking at it in hindsight and seeing that it, the way it affected us, but when brought Pedro on against Manchester United, uh, he brought him on for loser. We, we were all a bit perplexed by that, but of course it, it worked out beautifully in that game. So you can see his thinking: thinking, well, if we can get Pedro on the pitch, if we can get him to get the ball, then we can take some of the pressure off ourselves because we've got now we've now got four attacking players on the pitch. But actually. Poor Pedro and I did feel a little bit sorry for him because he just never caught up with the pace of the game and he barely touched the ball in the in the thirty odd minutes or twenty two minutes that he was on the pitch. So in hindsight, it looks like a mistake. But you know, had he got on the ball and had we been able to take some of the pressure off our defence, maybe it would have looked like a, a, you know another one of Claudio's good ideas. But it, as it turned out, it just left us um, even more exposed. The thing Pedro doesn't really do is. He doesn't really. I mean, listen. He's he's a he's an energetic player, but what he's not very good at. He one of one of his lesser skills is is that thing of of coming in, making it narrow, closing players down, doing the things that cleverly does. What he's good at is getting the ball uh, on the half turn and, and looking to get forward. And um, it was odd, really, a one nil that he he brought on another attacking player in a game that he could clearly see was just this sort of run, you know. Rumbunctious sort of championship-style football where everyone's just sort of running like crazy and the ball's pinging around. I mean, I lost count, honestly, John. I lost count. And maybe this is also to do with this substitution. The number of times we gave the ball away in the second half was absolutely disgraceful. And in the end, players were just kicking the ball without looking up, without trying to find a yellow shirt. They were just booting it. And every time it went back to a Brentford uh, player, because they were sitting on our halfway line waiting for the ball to be resigned every time they got it they went down the sides, it came through the middle and the pressure just became so intense and I don't know whether that you can you can blame uh, that on that substitution I do think that Pedro was a was an odd choice when he had two fan and loser
2: well I've got a question on that I've got a question on that John for you perhaps but just to just to mention that the ball retention you you're absolutely right to call it disgraceful Colin it was it was appalling it was it was I haven't got the vocabulary to describe how poor the passing was last night. 58% of, the, of Watford's passes found their intended target last night. 58% lowest in a Premier League match this season. And, and, and I'm, I'm certain it will it will stay at that level as well. But to, to exacerbate that, Brentford were no better. They were turning the ball over again and again and again, they were passing the ball out of play. They were hitting short passes. They were they were hitting Watford men with it. They were just as bad. They won the game by being vaguely less awful than us. Um, and I think that that compounds the, the the just the abject misery of that of that performance, particularly in in the second half. But John, just to just to throw back to your your question, and bearing in mind that we've been. At, pretty positive about Pedro and his ability to get his nut down and uh, and play in whatever position he, he plays in, including rolling his sleeves up and getting stuck in. The The options you mentioned were, were Loser and Tufan and Collins articulated the state of the game at that stage. Tufan's shown enough to show that he's not really trustworthy in terms of doing the defensive work and loser is a bit more of a calm Ball playing midfielder by and by which time the, the substitution happened, the game had descended into a into a Sunday morning pub league match, <laughs> and and I would suggest that that both of those players would have found it even harder than than Pedro, who at least at least has got sharp elbows and isn't scared of the scrap. So, just to throw it back to to you, John, your feelings about how it might have panned out if if one of those guys had come on.
1: I, I hear what you're saying, and maybe what, what we can blame this defeat on in, in another way is that that lack of depth in the bench we have at the moment, and and the yeah the adaptability we might want to see. I, I, you know, to about the, the ball retention. I think there were definitely moments. You know, it was quite highlighting that the lovely blue lines that are all over that pitch. There were lots of undercooked passes from Watford. You know, they just weren't used to that ball, and it, it did look like one of the worst pitches that we played on. That's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. But there were definitely like no, no. I'm not collecting like that as an excuse. There were definitely moments we lost the ball and you go, you've undercooked it, and that was certainly you know, very early on in the game. You're right. Maybe there isn't. There wasn't a better substitute, but I still can't go back to the fact of when it happened. I mean, I just looked it up. You know, he came on against Manchester United in the 77th minute, Pedro, and that would have felt the right time to to make him a bit later, and and that's the bit where. Was Pedro the right substitution? I still think no at that point. I still think any one of those three wasn't going to be right at that point. And as you say, during the pub league section of the, of the game. And the other substitution then, Mike, uh, was Ken Semmer. Lovely seeing Ken again. Lovely to sort of have that person to come on the pitch. Now, what side of the pitch
2: does he normally play on? Is it the left? There's a, there's only one side that, that Ken Semmer can play on <laughs> because, because look, I I love Ken as much as as the next man, and I was actually slightly enthused to see him ke- come on. I think he came on for Hernandez on on seventy seven. I thought Hernandez, as you said at the top, John, he, he worked incredibly hard, which we know we get from him. He was industrious. He was hardworking, which is, you know, when things aren't going well, that's the least you can ask for. But I thought his delivery was was poor. He had, I thought he had one of his lesser impressive games. So Semmer came on I thought, right, OK, well, this is someone who might be able to alleviate the pressure a little bit by moving forward, taking a man on, um, just trying something a little bit, a little bit different. But Ken Semmer was promptly ensconced in a sort of right midfield role. Uh, now, the problem with... And I thought, OK, well, he might switch, you know, as his, the players want. We've seen that front three uh, switch over and, and, and try and ask different questions of the, of the opposition defence that way. So perhaps Ken's just sort of starting over there and it will switch over. He stayed over on that right side for the duration of the game. And the problem with that is when Ken Semmer gets the ball on his right he has to run all the way around the ball to try and get the ball on his left. And and I'm not saying that to be funny or or comedic. He literally has to run around the ball, completely reshape his body so he can kick the ball with his left because he physically cannot kick it with his right. I, I love Ken Semmer. I think he's great when he's in, in his right position. And when the game is being played at a million miles an hour, tackles flying in, muck and bullets... You haven't got time to take three seconds. And, Hang on, lads. You know I'm, I'm, I'm not really good on this side. I haven't, I haven't practiced with my right yet. I just need to run around the ball.
1: He looks like a very awkward 1980s football game when he's trying to get around with yeah. the player. You know, the animation of the players isn't quite as smooth as it is these days on FIFA. Great
0: yeah.
2: description, and it's that's far that's by no means our biggest problem on the on the face of it because they hadn't scored at this moment. It was still one nil. Watford was still up, and I thought, right, okay, this is a this could be an outlet. And, but it, what it did was just fed in to this increasing confidence that that Brentford had managed to um, managed to engender. I mean, don't get me wrong; I thought Brentford would would pour as well. But what they did in the second half, they where, whereas our shape disappeared completely and our heads went completely. They were still playing pretty naff football, but managed to build up a, a head of steam and at least get some sort of pattern of play going. And and we'll go on to talk about the goals. And I'm afraid it was, it was, it was complete. We knew what, exactly what was coming. We knew exactly what was coming, um, and it, it was just a surprise. It it took as long as it did, really. But to, to 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 ask Ken Semmer to play in that in that role on that side at that stage of the game, just just ex- extraordinary.
3: Can I pick up on something because? um before we get to the um the debacle of the last um 8 minutes or however long it was it seems that there's a, a decision has been made and i don't know what you think about this john but for pretty much the whole of the game king played down the left hand side and dennis came through the middle and i think that is not quite joined up thinking either because the thing that dennis has and okay scored you know he's scored a lot of goals but he's also got lots of assists he's got a lot of pace he can take on a fullback. He's got that trickery. He looks more like a wide player than a than a than a number nine. And King has done pretty well playing in that central position, holding up the ball.
1: King has also played on the left.
3: I know he has, but not so consistently. I mean, he played there pretty much the whole game. Normally, I was expecting. I was looking, thinking, well, he's out on the left again. What are they going to switch it around? What are they going to? Maybe Dennis should go out on the right for a bit, and Kucha could go on to the left. Um, which you know they've got that flexibility. But yesterday they just didn't seem. It just seemed very rigid. Cuccio, right winger. Josh King as a as a kind of out ball against the fullback. And I understand the the thinking behind that. But if he never comes inside, he's he is he doesn't have the pace or the tricky the trickery that Dennis has. And so Dennis is a little. His some of his skill set is wasted sitting in the middle there. I know he scored the goal. And that that and then Ken comes on and he he replaces Coutinho and plays on the right hand side. when everyone knows and beautifully described by YouTube chaps. Um, Ken's shortcomings on the on the right side of the pitch. And it just all seemed a bit like, what, what what are we doing? You know, we know Ken plays on the left. Switch Dennis to the right, or switch King to the right if you want to, or switch Dennis to the right and put King in the middle. Just put players where they want to play. And and we didn't do that and, and it led to a kind of collective collapse.
1: Yeah, the collapse started, I think. Yeah. You know, not only did we let them have a goal that was coming, but we gave them two celebrations two celebrations because of that VAR thing that always happens all the time. But they got that goal back, and you know, the fact that the, the double celebration, that compact new stadium, it was it really started to rock at that point. It hadn't really rocked until that point. Um, and then we got into injury time, and we were happy to maybe keep this draw we couldn't see I couldn't see Watford sort of coming in and getting a second goal by that point and we thought maybe a draw is fine it's a away game it's fine William Trishcon didn't have that plan did he Mike and there were some very interesting reactions from Watford fans on social media um, uh, ridiculous in many ways That the but the, it is again it's just William again and it's he's, he is this uh, scapegoat at the moment
2: it was a naive bit of football from him to give away the penalty. The guy knew exactly what he was he was doing. No question about it. It was a it was a penalty. Tired minds, perhaps you know, just try and see him see him through. And yeah, unfortunately for for William de kong he's going to be at the at the forefront of uh, with people looking for a sort of route one, if you like, uh, answer to why we lost that game. Ultimately, he made a, a poor challenge in the ninety fifth minute of an away game against a relegation rival to give them three points and to cost us one so yep you have to you have to say he's made a mistake there he'll be the first to to hold up his hands um and you know it'd be silly of us not to say it's the latest in a in a long line of of poor decisions from from true And and again he will know that more than anyone you don't need us to to beat him up over it you know that his performances have been nowhere near the level required of a Premier League defender. Um, and yeah, we don't need to go on the, about social media too much. We all know what it's like, especially after a, a loss. But there were some pretty over-the-top reactions. I think we can we can leave it at that. But I think what the, the other thing we need to to, to to mention is that in the lead up to that, to the de Kong having to make that rash challenge, we cocked it up again. There was what, two, three opportunities to, to get that ball away. Claudio Ranieri summed it up perfectly. Put the ball out of the stadium, you know, kick it out. Craig Cathcart was doing it all evening as the, as the sway, you know, attack after attack after attack was coming down. Craig Cathcart just put the ball out. They can't score if it's in the crowd. We'll deal with us Get the ball out, uh, reset from the throw-in and, and deal with it then. But, you know, once again, a complete collective failure to defend properly, to be organised, to stay switched on to the last minute. And between them they have contrived to throw away what would have been an, an undeserved point. I think I, I've said it at plenty of times. I thought Brentford were poor, but ultimately they were good for the win in the end because at least they managed to, to string a couple of passes together and, and, and play some sort of football. But we contrived as a team to throw that away at the end. That was a that was a team penalty, if you like. And and, and William Truestickong, unfortunately, was the, the one that put the, uh, the rancid cherry on the rotten cake. Um, And, but it was just inevitable as far as I was concerned. Collective failure. If you've got an opportunity to get the ball away in a frenetic game, 95 minutes away from home, get the bloody thing away. And they didn't.
0: This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into league two after 15 seasons in the national league. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Yeah,
1: we are, we are massively disappointed in, in this game. Even though we were, we, we were trying to put on what was that moment and what was the thing that made us lose that game, it, it was many, many factors. But my, we, we move on very quickly to an away game at Burnley. Colin's going. We'll talk to him about that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> You know, there's not time to, to change too much, to, to change tactics it's recovery and it's prepare for the next game. There's a piece out today from, from Adam on The Athletic if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you go to theathletic.com
2: forward slash recovery end sign up there for your 33% discount There's lots of good writing about stuff that isn't Watford as well <laughs> so it's, it could be a good opportunity to, to read about some other sports and some other teams because I can't imagine too many people are going to be, oh yes I'm going to flock in, uh, and, and, and start reading about Watford this, this fine Saturday morning so there's plenty of good stuff on there that isn't Hornets related. i well,
1: get get Jay stuff about the sort of Brentford reaction to to this game, and also um, Ryan, uh, who is the, uh, the the Burnley writer, and see how they're doing after this weekend's game ahead of the uh, Watford game. We can't you know change much in terms of you know new tactics. There's just time to to reset, to recover, and to prepare for the next game. Are any decisions for Claudio very easy and very obvious?
2: I think the decision that, that Claudio Ranieri has to make is how he deals with that in terms of his approach with the with the squad. I think, as you say, John, there's not a lot that they can do in terms of personnel. We've got what we've got. I saw a lot of, I said we wouldn't mention social media, but I saw a lot of people talking about what we're going to do in January. We've got four games to go before we get to January, and January is a nightmare time to do business anyway. So we've got four really difficult games now to save our season I think um, before we can even think about trying to bring any any recruitments in so I think how Ranieri deals with what was a truly truly abject performance I thought it was an unmitigated disgrace what happened last night so how does he deal with that is it hairdryer is it arm around the shoulder is it um, splitting them up into groups and and that's, how, that's, that's the thing for me is, is how, he, how he deals with it. But I think I'm not prepared to, to talk or pontificate about what they need to do ahead of Burnley because they know what they need to do ahead of that game. But the problem I have is they've known what they've needed to do all season. And that is yet another game that we needed to get some points from that we have completely and utterly failed in. So Southampton, Newcastle, leads away... Um, even Wolves at home, who were struggling at the time, um, now Brentford. We've had we were one 0 up with seven seven minutes to go, and we've we've lost the game. Every single time we've needed to step up to the plate this season, they failed, and they failed really quite significantly. And yeah, we talked about taking some positives from Leicester. We were incredibly enthused by the performance against Chelsea. We thought we got out unscathed against Manchester City. Fine. We lost them all and, we lo- and, and now we've lost another one. And we are running out of road really, really quickly. You cannot, you cannot turn up and play like that in a game you need to get something from and expect to get even close to staying in the Premier League. I'm really sorry. I don't want to be going over the top. But if you look in isolation at the games, I mention it all the time about how players, the teams will look at us; they'll have us circled in red as a as a as a fixture that they'll need to be getting points from. All those fixtures that we've had circled in red as as needing to get points from, we've been we've come up really, really short, really short, and now we've given ourselves an absolute hospital pass. We've got to go to Burnley, who who are struggling at the wrong end of the table as well. But consistently show the nous and know-how required under Sean Dyche to turn their season around, and we're going there in in a in worse form than we've had all season. That we've got through that terrible run much better than we thought, and we're back to square one. So I don't really, I'm not interested in about who comes in, what the tactics are. I'm interested in in a response. It needs to be a big one. If if there isn't, this season's going down the going down the pan quicker than Colin's going back to bed after this podcast.
1: But <laughs> well, Colin, you're going up to Burnley. What uh, time's kick off on, on Wednesday?
2: Seven forty five.
1: I think seven thirty. Oh what's... is
3: it seven thirty? That's right. It is seven thirty. I like a seven thirty kickoff, very old school.
2: Bit of advice for you, Colin. I'd get there about nine thirty.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what time are you leaving, Col? The
3: coach
2: is leaving, John.
3: <laughs> at eleven thirty AM.
2: Tremendous. Absolutely Which, superb. E-
3: even if I'm wrong, is eight hours before kick-off? Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. What?
2: <laughs> they do like to honest? stop.
3: There's but a lot of um, there's a lot of people that need to stop regularly, mm. due partly to their age, and so um, including myself.
2: Was the Watford midfield on there with you, Carl? Is
3: it? Yeah, exactly. They have to stop, and um, so there's a lot of stopping. I haven't been on the coach uh, for a really long time. I'm sort of in a masochistic way looking forward to my day out, my two days out, in fact, because I probably won't get home back to the Watford (laughs) car park till about half past three in the morning. But anyway, you know, I've got nothing better to do. I've just finished a long run of quite hard work and I thought, oh yeah, I might go and I've got a few days off, I might go and do that. I I feel like we have to bounce back. This is a game. It's not, I mean, I hate this phrase, a must win, but it feels a little bit like it is a must win to get our season back on any form of track that um, looks positive positive. If we go up there and get beat two 0 three 0 two one, whatever, I think you know we're looking we're looking into the abyss a little bit. Um, as Mike says, Burnley have been struggling. They haven't got Max uh, Cornet, so again, like last night, they didn't have Tony, and that's why they were a little bit toothless. I thought Brentford until the, the last seven minutes, where they managed to kind of just roll to sort of fight the ball into the net. But um, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward. I like turf more. You know, it's it's an old-fashioned ground. You're a long way from home. Um, I don't like the way Burnley play football very much and so it would be nice if we can go up there and get the three points. But if he doesn't bring loser back into the team, I might just... um I might just walk straight back out of the ground at 6.30 when the team's are announced, and getting to sit on the coach for a couple of hours reading a book. <laughs>
1: I'm sure there's a lovely couple of boozers up in Burnley you could uh, perch yourself in. Uh, we, we'll see what happens. We'll be back with another podcast uh, in the week, uh, catching up with Adam uh, and everything that he's writing uh, at The Athletic. Uh, of course, that is theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend uh, if you'd like to take up the 33% offer. Uh, thank
2: you very much, Michael. No problem, thanks. It's been helpful to uh, to talk it through as always. And uh, Dad, I hope I haven't sounded too miserable.
1: I, I, I know you spoken to your
2: dad. Have you spoken to your mum? Ah, now then, uh, dad, <laughs> dad did speak to mum last night, and uh, it was it was not a pretty not a pretty scene. I think <laughs> I think there were items of food. Uh, and uh, they've got they've got some sort of plastic cups and stuff that they use when the um, when the when the grandkids are, are around Food and some of those ended up not in their original resting place, shall we say. <laughs> Apoplectic was the phrase that Dad used, so uh, oh Mum, I hope you're feeling alright this, this morning as well. And it was fantastic actually, Mike, wasn't it? Seeing
1: uh, around the ground, I saw them in the pub at the Gunnersbury pub. Kelly was there with Kate and they're producing a feature, aren't they, for, for Football Focus uh, about yes. women going to football.
2: That was the, the women of Watford's first official um, away day together. They had a block of seats um, together at Brentford. So, yeah, it's just great to see what Kate Lewis has worked so hard to, to create alongside the club. Um, and I think uh, it might have been Kelly who tweeted last night saying not what we wanted on, on the pitch, but off the pitch, Watford continue to make strides. And I think the formation of that of that group and seeing it come to life yesterday with them able to travel to the ground and, and sit together, It was absolutely superb. Yeah, so absolute credit to to Kate Lewis and and everyone that's put the hard work in there. And uh, yeah, I think Kelly's doing her bit as well. She, um, She had a BBC crew there. With her uh, last night filming them and just uh, following their match day, we had a, they had a chat with with Flo before the game, which which she very much enjoyed. So yeah, lot lot lots to be um, uh, to be worried about from from a footballing point of view, but as a club, continuing to to do things the right way. So well done to Kate, well done to Kelly, and well done to everyone involved with uh, with that project. Really, really encouraging to see. Well done.
1: Yeah, Emma Saunders was alongside them as well, I think, last night. I and mean, we, we caught up with her to have a quick chat. She's in good form. Um, uh, didn't really enjoy. She, um, I, I, I had to point out to her how enthusiastic the Brentford uh, announcer was when they scored a goal. I think he was cheering before Awful. the penalty went in. And it was. That
3: te- was terrible. That was terrible. Awful. That was like turning the knife. Was all that yelling, and also with the with the uh, with the VAR, he got to do it twice, and just doub- doubly wound me up.
1: But did he get the, <laughs> did he get the uh, the player wrong for the f- the first time he announced the goal, and then the VAR allowed him to do it for the right player? I wasn't sure what happened, but it's something like I, I, I had felt my head like in that. my hands at that point. John, oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> it was like you say. It was uh, there was a weird bit. We with DCW because they got lots of screens around the top of the stand. Every so often, because of Brentford's colours, they would go very red. And for me, it felt like, oh, they're, they're turning the heaters on, like those pub heaters you get. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, they're not, it's still cold, damn. It felt like that. But also, I've never seen DCW um, change his love for Beatles songs so, uh, so quickly. Uh, it was uh, a great song he was singing proudly at the beginning of the game. But when Hey Jude came on at the end of the game, you know, Paul McCartney definitely wasn't his favourite person for a good 10, 15 minutes. So it was a, an interesting fun. And I would say, for me, going to the game last night, football aside, was great fun. Sort of catching up with you guys. <laughs> (laughs) Spending some time in the pub and all that sort of stuff. And that's always the important thing. Um, And that's what I'm going to hold on to for the rest of the weekend. Thank you very much, Michael. No worries. Come on, your horns. And thank you, Colin. Thank you very much. Back to bed for me. And enjoy your time there. (laughs) And we're back, of course, midweek for another From the Ricker End. Come on, your horns.
0: The Athletic.